Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Tisha Montgomery, Senior Vice President of System Patient Access at Houston Methodist. Tisha, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm very excited to be here. And I'm excited for our conversation as well. I know patient access is something that is top of mind for so many different healthcare executives right now and really something that is going to be important for growth and development of the industry in the future. But before we dive further into our discussion, I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. I am a nurse by background. Um, I was raised in Ohio and I I went to nursing school um, after graduating at the Ohio State University, so I am a Buckeye, and did my nursing training there. Um, You know, worked along the way. I've worked um, in cancer hospitals, worked for the VA in primary care, and um, eventually went back to school um, to get my master's in health administration. And after that, um, I started my administrative leadership career at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, And I was there for um, 11 years in various administrative capacities, one of which includes overseeing enterprise access for the Mayo Clinic system. Um, So I did that for a number of years before transitioning to Houston in 2014. And I came to Houston to oversee the operations um, for the Physician Network and ACO for another um, Houston-based large healthcare system. And I did that for four years and then transitioned to Houston Methodist um, and and came to Houston Methodist as the vice president of operations and patient access for the physician organization. And I was in that role up until recently. And I'll just say this was an expansion of that role, um, which now turned into the senior vice president role I'm in now overseeing patient access for the system. Wow, that's amazing to hear, and and definitely what a career journey from your time as a nurse to then going into your Master of Healthcare Administration in Mayo and then down to Houston. What was it like going from the Midwest, being a Buckeye, being at Mayo Clinic, and then down to Houston? How how was that transition? (laughs) So I will say the transition, though, it was great for me. I was ready to um, get out of the cold. <laughs> so being in Ohio, I always had snow, went to Minnesota, and, and it was worse. And I was excited and ready to get to Houston. So from that standpoint, the transition has been great. My family, we love it here. And uh, the transition to Houston Methodist has especially been great. Um, this organization and the culture and the innovation, the excitement to move things forward, it's been very motivating and energizing. So I'm very excited to uh, be a part of Houston Methodist and be on this journey w- with our system. Well, that's amazing to hear. And I know you all at Houston Methodist have just such a great passion for healthcare and providing care to the community and services as well. So with that in mind, what are some of the opportunities that you're seeing right now? And then what are the headwinds that you have your eye on? Very good question, Laura. So there definitely is a lot going on uh, in healthcare right now. Some of the things that I'm keeping my eye on 
is one, we're seeing a lot of vertical integration, I'll say, of insurance companies, pharmacies, moving more and more into the provider side of healthcare. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples out there, but, you know, obviously United Healthcare continues to expand, um, you know, with a large number of employing a large number of physicians and continues to acquire a lot of practices. Um, you know, we're seeing Walgreens partnership with Village MD. They're continuing to grow Aetna's merger with CVS. Um, and now, you know, CVS continues to move forward with, you know, purchase of Oak Street Health. So there's just a lot of expansion um, of these companies crossing, you know, crossing over into various aspects of healthcare. Um, the second thing, which is also related to that, is we're seeing a lot of non-traditional groups move into the healthcare space. And, you know, I, I, everyone can talk about these examples, you know, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of disruptors come into the industry. And so very closely watching, you know, Amazon and Walmart and, you know, a lot of these groups that historically did not start off in healthcare, but certainly are branching into the healthcare space. So, you know, looking at how that's continuing to grow and opportunities to partner. And, and the third one that, that I'll say is around making sure that as a healthcare system, we are meeting the demands of our patients and our consumers. There, you know, there are so many things in today's society that, you know, people are used to getting on demand right now. Uh, you know, and you look at every aspect of your life from shopping at Amazon to Uber, Lyft, Netflix, you can even get gas on demand brought to you now. And so healthcare is no exception to that. And seeing how every other aspect of your life is shaped now on demand, and there's such a focus on convenience, our eyes are definitely on how can we make sure that we're meeting our consumer demands in the healthcare space as well. So those are three things I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on and some of the hit ones that we're seeing. Um, I'll just make a fourth final one, which, again, I think every healthcare industry is facing, and not just healthcare, but across the board, labor shortages. And... Um, Everyone is facing staffing crises right now and, you know, in many different areas. And so we're looking for creative and innovative ways of how to address that. And I think just your traditional, you know, you look at the nursing shortage. We've, we've been in nursing shortages since I've been a nurse. I learned about the nursing, nursing shortages when I, when I was in nursing school. And, you know, it, it has been nonstop, you know, very cyclical, but it's still here. And uh, so we're trying to do something different. It's not enough just to, you know, bring on travel nurses and sign-on bonuses, retention bonuses. We have to really think about how we redesign what we're doing. And that's what we're focused on here, how to be innovative, how to incorporate care redesign, bringing virtual nurse nursing to the inpatient floor um, so that we can work smarter, realizing that, you know, at some point you're never going to have enough. So you have to do things differently. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, and, and definitely love your perspective on how some of the non-traditional companies are coming into healthcare, what that really means and the vertical integration there. You know, when you see some of these companies, whether it's Walgreens, CVS, Amazon, you know, uh, coming into your space in, in what kind of impact does it have on you as a health system? And then two, you know, you mentioning the on-demand culture, I can imagine that in part is accelerated by some of these companies that have done consumerism so well and, and are brands that people love to work with. 
you know, how do you bring that into the healthcare space and do that, especially as you talked about, you know, there's staffing shortages and other really big issues that you're facing today as an organization? I think the impact on us is it is causing us to work faster. It's really causing us, I, I would say, to accelerate in spaces that maybe we would not have traditionally. Um, similarly to how we saw COVID impact the healthcare industry in such a significant way, um, you saw the acceleration of technology. You saw a lot of investment and in, in focus on innovation. And I, and I would say when you see these, these disruptors coming in, that's what it's causing us to do as a healthcare system. Fortunately for us, even before the pandemic, we had our eye on innovation before that. So we had a lot of the foundation and building blocks in place so that when the pandemic hit, we were able to just continue to build off of what we were doing. So we were able to flip a switch and you know, get all 900 physicians at the time trained um, to turn on virtual, virtual visits you know, immediately because we already had the foundation in place and had already had virtual urgent care and telemedicine platforms in place. You know, and so we were able to build on a lot of our technologies and I think us seeing all of this coming towards us from other um, companies and other organizations, it's just continuing that acceleration. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and it's just really interesting to think about and see how the healthcare space is evolving. Now, from your vantage point at Houston Methodist, how are you thinking about growth and adding value to the organization overall? So when we think about growth and adding value to our organization, our focus is really on the fundamentals. It's the needs of the patient and making sure that we keep the patient at the core of everything that we're doing and that, we're, we're, that we are very intentional on improving our patient access, patient experience, uh, and, and, and really um, making sure that we're accelerating in those areas to add value. Uh, when we think about patient access, and we've already talked about on demand and, and just how many patients and consumers that they are used to this in every other aspect of their lives. And so that's why it's so important for us to improve our access and to be very intentional on that focus because we want to be accessible for our patients when they reach out to us. We want to make sure that they are able to reach us in the mode that they want, whether that's via phone, whether that's online, whether that's via text, chat, what have you. And so it's making sure that we can meet the patients wherever they are. Also, making sure that we are growing our capacity so that we have availability to meet our patient needs. And so we are looking at growing our advanced practice providers, our nurse practitioners, physician assistants, as a way to increase that capacity for our patients. We are expanding our same-day clinics, again, as another way to help with patient access. You know, sometimes you may not be able to get a same-day appointment with your primary care provider for an acute need that comes up. However, we don't want to, we don't want to lose you <laughs> as that patient, right? We don't want you to have to go anywhere else. We don't want you to, you know, have to wait. And so we have expanded our same-day clinic infrastructure so patients can be seen same day as needed. We're also expanding and have expanded our virtual urgent care so that we have 24 by 7 
virtual urgent care. So if you have an acute need, we can see you um, telephonically and, and virtually um, to meet those needs. And so that's a, um, that's a major area where we are growing and expanding is in our access space. That's great to hear and really to think through all those different ways that people and patients can really connect with the health system and those access points I know are so important to get right. So that's awesome that you've gotten really a multi-channel approach to doing that. Now, I know we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges in healthcare, whether it's the workforce shortages, and I know you know, financially it's tough for organizations across the board, but still with an eye on growth and development and innovation, what is a risk or investment that you still see as being worth taking this year? I would say a risk worth taking this year is definitely investing in innovation. Investing in your innovation infrastructure and really creating an environment where you never stop improving and reimagining. You know, technology is core, it's constantly changing. And so organizations really have to make sure that there is a lot of intention around not just staying comfortable with the status quo. Um, so that's a huge investment. Um, you know, for us, we, we have continued to grow in our innovation space. And we, we actually, you know, we have, I am a member of our Center for Innovation. And, you know, when I think about that, that group of people that, that comes together, it, it's, it's very interesting. It started as a book club about five years ago. And it was a book club and just a group of people that enjoyed technology, um, you know, would share articles. And it came together and, and the, the group was labeled DIOP. Digital Innovation Obsessed People. And so just from a group of interested people um, coming together, you know, it really turned into our Center for Innovation and um, where we've been very intentional about investing in technologies to drive us forward. And so if organizations aren't doing that, that's definitely something that, that we say is worth making the investment in, into. And then the other investment that I'll say, and I know you only asked for one, but I'll just mention in general, investing in your people and leadership, especially in the midst of the labor shortages that we've talked about. If you have good staff, if you have good physicians, if you have a good leadership team, continue to invest in their growth because you want to retain the cost of losing a good staff, a staff employee, a good physician, good leadership. You know, it, it, it's a heavy price to pay, especially with what we're facing today. So definitely, I would say, continue to invest in your people. Absolutely. That's great to hear. And what great advice from, you know, making sure you still have the digital technologies and innovation in space to um, really expand where it makes sense for the health system. And then, too, investing in the people and future leaders. And, you know, I love that idea and concept of being able to retain those who are talented and passionate for the work that they do. From your perspective, what are you seeing today that, you know, talented nurses and physicians and other leaders within the organization want and need in order to be, you know, really strike that balance of uh, coming to work every day, being motivated to address the challenges that, that are part of the healthcare reality right now, but at the same time to, you know, being able to uh, take care of themselves. What, where do you see is um, 
the the emerging leaders really wanting to grow and develop and what's you know kind of necessary for them in order to do that? I would say that a lot of our our staff and employees they they want to know that you know leadership cares. They they also want to know that they that they're heard, that they're being listened to, and that there's an understanding of what they're facing day to day, and that they see something tangible being done to help address the the problems that they may be facing. Uh, you know when we talk about uh, you know, innovation groups and, um, you know, teams coming together. It's not always necessarily about having your top executives or top leaders in that room. It, it, you know, it, it's also about bringing up the ideas from the frontline staff and making sure that there's, again, an, an understanding of what, what do they have to say? What are they facing? You know, if, if we introduce this technology or this solution, does it address a real problem? And, and, and I think when they're pulled into those conversations and they see that something's actually being done to, to address it and that there is communication, you know, great communication, I, I think that makes people feel appreciated. They, they can see that we care. They can see things are being done. And it motivates, I think, people to come to work every day. People are also motivated, I think, to see advances in technology and they, they want to be a part of a of a health system that is that's growing, you know. When you know we're in the process of building our ninth hospital um, in the Cypress area here in Houston, and it's a smart hospital, right? We're looking at um, the smart hospital of the future, building a smart health system of the future. And when you hear things like that, it makes the staff excited to be a part of something bigger, where they know they they can make a difference. I love that. And I can imagine, too, uh, just having that idea, you know, that you are on the cutting edge of healthcare and where um, healthcare is headed and being able to use the latest technology to really help serve patients is just such a motivating factor and something to really be proud of. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, and it's been fascinating to hear from you so far, I just wanted to get your perspective, too, on where you see some of the best opportunities for growth and development, particularly in patient access, um, you know, what do you really see for the next two to three years or so? In the patient access realm, I, I see more and more growth in self-service. You know, we a lot of times you think of, of, of access and scheduling appointments. You know, so much has evolved um, with healthcare, but there's still a lot that has stayed the same when you think about scheduling appointments. And uh, often the first time, the, the first thing someone thinks about is picking up the phone, calling, waiting on hold, right? You still think about your call centers and being transferred multiple times. And that is not the model that we want for our patients with patient access. So I would say over the next couple of years in the access space, we will continue to see more self-service tools, online scheduling, more um, texting, you know, bi-directional texting. These are some of the things that we've actually already have launched and, and have implemented and continue to grow and expand on. And I see that's happening, that, that is happening more and more and more. I also see the growth of more, again, we mentioned that on-demand care. So whether it is the virtual urgent care, or if I need to see someone right now, how can I make that connection? I think we're moving away from the days where consumers and patients will, you know, they have a need, they want to be seen, and that they will 
wait weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, for for their doctor to be able to get in. Now, if they're shopping, right? They 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 if they can't get what they need with who they want, they're going to go look elsewhere for that care. So I see our access continue to continuing to evolve to meet those patients' needs where they are. Absolutely, I love that. That's such a great point. And you know, when you think about all these changes, and especially changes uh, for a more on-demand healthcare and healthcare service delivery. What needs to change within the organization? So uh, whether it's a culture change or um, change in the way that you, have, as we talked about, design um, the healthcare system, the workforce, you know, what does that look like to really re- realize and come into, you know, these trends for on-demand care? What do you need to do from the health system side to, to make sure you're matching that and not just, you know, have the capabilities, but really everybody on the team understands where that's headed and, you know, embraces that on-demand care idea? That's a great question, Laura. I I would say from a health system perspective, you truly have to think like a system and not operate in silos. And I think for a lot of organizations, um, many of us have done the best thing for our department, for our clinic, for our location, for our hospital. And we're doing the best we can for our individual area, but not necessarily putting ourselves in the shoes of a patient that has to navigate our system across multiple different areas. And I think that's where sometimes you see the disconnect. It may look great or it may work great for one particular area, but then the moment I have to transfer or the moment there's a disconnect, the moment I have to wait on hold, the moment I have to ask you, oh, wait, do you have this number? I can't do this. Hold on for a moment. You know, we're, we're, just, um, we're just adding more and more um, just barriers to care and delays to access that, that's really frustrating our patients. So I would say from a culture standpoint, we really have to shift our, our, our eyes and really start looking across the board. Look across all systems, look across all silos, really break down the silos and um, think like a system and think about this journey of a patient from the moment they, whether they hit our website, from the moment, you know, they send us a text message, from the moment they call us, what is that experience like? And making sure that it's seamless all the way through. I love that. Tisha, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I was very excited to be here.